All right, so here's a weird one that's not really at all in the vein of what we usually talk about on the show. But, you know, Death Stranding just came out. A new game by Hideo Kojima, who's probably my favorite, well, I mean, one of my favorite writers. I mean, but you can't exactly call him a writer because he's a video game developer. He's just in charge of his own script. But honestly, if it hadn't been for, like, the rise in video game culture, this guy would have been directing movies or probably writing books or something. He's a fucking incredible storyteller. So, you know, Death Stranding, you know, it's another Hideo game. Like most of his games, very disorienting in terms of where the story begins. And I just, you know, on game forums... And this dude's like, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people kind of try and attribute some sort of brilliance to this guy's writing. When, I mean, really, you can look at a lot of things retrospectively and, you know, try and claim that someone predicted it, even though they were just writing. And he's not wrong. You can do that with a lot of things. Like, it's called free association. Like, oh, yeah, every time I see a bird, uh, I unfortunately see someone get hurt. And it's like, well, there's a lot of fucking birds. <laughs> and you can even do this with some people's writings. And I mean, a lot of my friends are atheists. They try and say that, you know, that's what the Bible does. That's neither here nor there. That's not what we talk about on the show. But despite my unwillingness to defend Christianity on this podcast, I will defend Hideo Kojima and the brilliance that is the writing behind Metal Gear Solid, which is the series that most people know him for. And uh, like I said in the last episode, I'm a, I'm a little sick right now, but I feel fucking terrible because I haven't done anything for all, all three of you. <laughs> all of you listening. I haven't done anything in the last few days. So, uh, so you know, no time like the present. I'm just going to knock this one out since I've quarantined myself to my bedroom. So uh, I'm just going to break this down. I'll break this down for you guys. This one might be a little longer than usual. If you don't give a fuck about video games, feel free to stop listening. If you really like conspiracies and you don't give a fuck about video games, uh, stay tuned because you're about to find your new favorite. All right, so I'm just going to skip right into the uh, Metal Gear Solid series. Uh, Metal Gear was on NES or like Super Nintendo or whatever. And... Uh, not as much room for storytelling. Just going to be honest. Not as much room. Metal Gear Solid, however. A very long two-disc game for the PlayStation 1. There was only a handful of those, like Final Fantasy. But I'll just give you the premise, right? For I'll just pretend like you never heard about it. Basically, a terrorist organization, unlike any other on the planet, because they don't actually take credit for their terrorist activities, has gathered on Shadow Moses Island. The leader of this terrorist organization is an ex-CIA asset. Does that sound at all fucking familiar? Does that not sound like Bin Laden? Does that not sound like fucking ISIS? A terrorist organization, but... They unlike any other terrorist organization in history, they don't take credit for their attacks. They're mostly made up by ex-special ops agents and CIA assets. Yeah, that's fucking ISIS, bro. 
All right, but that that again, uh, I'm not even I'm not trying to attribute genius where it doesn't belong. Sure, that could just be a shot in the dark, right? By the way, this game was like the script for this was being written in 1994. Just to give you an idea, I'll, I'll keep track of that for you also. So, you know, throughout the game, you learn that like the enemy soldiers, you know, you can shoot them like ten times before they die, uh, because they uh, they've undergone gene therapy, which uh, basically is the idea that you can go in and you can change someone's genetic makeup to make them into like the perfect humans. So these people are the best you know, physical strength and endurance specimens on the planet. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like CRISPR? No, no, it doesn't. It, it, anybody could have come up with that. That Obviously, that technology has been in development for decades, of course. All right. So then, you know, you're fighting all these super soldiers to kill the ex-CIA asset who has a nuclear threat on America. And, uh, you know, nobody can find out about it. And, uh, you know, as you as you go through, you find out Russia's involved. There is Russian involvement. Russia is actually secretly backing this with the Kremlin. But again, that could always be a coincidence. Russia's involved in everything. And uh, at the very end, you know, spoiler alert. Turns out that uh, that the protagonist and the main villain both are actually twins as a result of the La Enfant Terrible project, uh, which is essentially the, uh, well, this is a real thing, actually. You feel free to Google it. La Enfant Terrible. It's French. Uh, it's uh, the first project for uh, for cloning. And that these men were all, you know, the good guy and the bad guy. They were both cloned from, like, his history's best American super soldier. Just this brilliant tactician blah 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 they're they're the cloned offspring of this man and uh yeah so that's the premise but that's not where it gets weird other than if you think it's weird that this japanese writer just happened to know about these you know weird genetic augmentation processes or like the game featured weapons that weren't yet published so like this guy kind of seems like he Seems like he knows about some things. But no, that's just the first game. So, like I said, we'll just we'll just set that one down. It's a very nice premise. Makes for a very spooky sort of conspiracy game. But the second one, that's where it gets really weird. So, uh, if you're still listening this far, definitely don't stop. Alright, so Metal Gear Solid 1.5. This is the stuff that you find out uh, during, like, the... They did like a little manga series for it and like some books. Uh, this was still the mid 90s. So turns out, you know, Snake, he's, he's got all the Snake. That's the, that's, sorry, I forgot to mention that's the protagonist's name. Snake, his body's got these nanomachines in it. And, you know, they help track him. They use the, you know, that's how they track him with the, radar machine that's you know that's how he can heal himself stuff like that that's why he can get shot more than once and not like he'd be in terrible terrible pain basically so uh turns out upon beating the first game um one of the people involved in the mission stole the data and now they're going to use this data 
for the army to train new soldiers to basically use the entire event as a virtual training for soldiers to be. So that way people who have never actually been in combat understand operating under pressure. They understand these like very nuanced tactical things that, I mean, quite frankly, most people, when they start getting shot at, they freeze up. And basically that was the, that was the whole purpose, but it also comes with a, uh, comes with a nice caveat that, uh, by putting a soldier into a virtual machine and having him slaughter enemies, the value of enemy life is basically nothing. The value of human life in general is completely devalued. And so then snake, you know, he says like, what the fuck? Like, do you think that this is a game? You think that you can just teach you, you're going to take soldiers and you're just going to, you're going to teach them like it's some kind of game. There's a lot of meta that goes on in metal gear solid because obviously it's a video game. But, uh, but then the villain says back to him, he's like soldiers. No children. This was before call of duty, you know? I mean, yeah, granted, like we had like 007 golden eye, you know, we had a couple shooters at this point, but Hideo Kojima was talking about how like this was going to bring rise to a whole new generation of soldiers because of the video games. People would see it. They'd play Call of Duty long before Call of Duty. But again, I mean, anybody could have predicted that. It's exciting. War is exciting. You know, that's why there's so many action movies. It's not like action movies started in the 90s, right? So yeah, you know, I'll hand it to you. So that's like kind of 1.5. That's like upon beating the first game. So the second game, like I said, the second game is where it gets really interesting. So the second game, you actually don't play a snake in the second game. Well, you do for like a second. Uh, you find out that basically he was set up to look like a terrorist. Uh, he has to go into hiding. And, uh, yeah, so game over for Snake, I guess. But it's, but no, so you play as this guy, Raiden, right? Jack, I think is his real name. Raiden is his code name. For those of you who didn't know, Raiden is a, uh, that's some kind of Japanese plane, I think. They talk about it in the game a little bit. But no, so Raiden has undergone the virtual infiltration training that was gleaned from the Shadow Moses incident, as they call it, with uh, the legendary soldier Solid Snake. Now, Raiden goes on uh, to, it's like an oil rig or like an oil cleanup thing. Because uh, the terrorists have taken it over and they've taken this guy hostage. And uh, it's like super duper important that Raiden gets, it's like the president or somebody. I'm pretty sure, yeah, no, it's a senator. That's what it is. It's a senator. Uh, has been taken hostage and the sh the terrorist organization involved is like again all ex-special forces people weird. it's just a weird theme it's just almost like that actually happens in real life all the fucking time uh, but anyway so Ryan sneaks onto the base you know fights all these crazy like bad guys who have like kind of like pseudo fucking superpowers sort of it's weird. I'm not going to lie to you. If you never played these games, they're fucking weird. 
But that's not the part that is most bothersome, no. No, the part that's most bothersome is actually right near the end game, right? So it turns out that the oil cleanup facility that they're on is actually uh, it's this giant Metal Gear. It's called Metal Gear Arsenal. It's this underwater submarine that's basically like a fucking city, but it's full of AI. And all that this AI does is it takes all the information on the internet, all of it, and it filters it, and it looks for it, and it fucking censors it. Now, this is like right at the dawn of the internet. In fact, the game came out in 2002 in January. I'm going to get to this in a little bit. This is the really exciting part. So if you've made it this far, don't fucking shortchange yourself. Keep listening. All right, so... Metal Gear Arsenal floats around underwater. It's fucking censoring the internet one thing after another after another. It's a misinformation machine basically designed to, like, influence governments across the world. Now, Raiden is underwater. He's in this thing. He's been taken hostage. He's literally naked, uh, <laughs> which is totally weird the first time you play the game or any point thereafter. And uh, eventually he like he and then, you know, Solid Snake shows up out of nowhere to be on his, you know, his buddy. And they uh, they force the thing to, to come above water. Right. Now, this is where it gets weird. The original release, the end cut scene is strange because for one second you're in this submarine and then all of a sudden you're on this aircraft carrier. Like no explanation. You're on the aircraft carrier. But there is an explanation. Originally. Metal Gear Solid 2 was had a release date of September 13th, 2001. Two days after a day that none of us should ever forget, right? Now, the original ending to Metal Gear Solid 2, the reason they had to push back the game, is because what was supposed to happen was that Raiden has this crazy shootout with rocket launchers with the main bad guy, and the main bad guy uses the AI from Arsenal to hijack a bunch of F-16s off of the aircraft carrier. And he automated flies all these F-16s to New York City. And they kamikaze the entire city, leaving only the two Twin Towers standing. Can you fucking imagine how appalled people would be if the original ending had come out and the game had debuted on September 13th the way it was supposed to. No, they recalled the game from Walmart and Target and I think it was EB Games at the time that those were the three places that had it for uh, midnight release. No, they had to recall the game and change the ending. And so the game didn't get released until like three, four months later. You can look this shit up. This is legit. This is real. So, like I said, you can uh, you can pretend to yourself that, you know, oh, well, anybody who did a lot of research would know about future weapons and liquid soliton radar and camouflage that changes color with the use of tiny little cameras and nanomachines and fucking he probably... That probably the whole reason he knew about this stuff is because he looks it up. Like, he's just probably just a really, really good researcher. And so he corporate incorporated it into the game because now, 30, 20, yeah, 20 years later, 30 years later, people are still fucking talking about him. So do you think he probably did a whole bunch of fucking research 
when he was writing the script in 1999. He wrote the script for Metal Gear Solid 2 in 1999. Do you think he did a bunch of research to figure out that that would be the perfect ending? Or do you think... I don't I, I can't explain it like what do you think happened what how do you think he made an ending that was like weirdly appropriate you you got a solution for me I'm all fucking ears Just send me a message if you got a good idea but that shit's real and again if you think I'm full of shit look it up now I don't need to cite my sources on this shit why because if you are a doctor and you tell me some medical shit I'm not gonna ask you to cite your sources and you best believe I got a fucking doctorate in Hideo Kojima <laughs> nah man can't make that shit up but that's not even the craziest part I mean that's probably the craziest part to the second game but let's let's talk about the third game now let's talk about the third game now that we're starting to get into the weird conspiracies Metal Gear Solid 3 in fact let me let me look it up I'm gonna look up the original release date of Metal Gear Solid 3 for you guys cause Let's look up Metal, Metal Gear Solid 3 release date. Boom. Let's see. What was the original release? 2005. Okay, that's what I thought, but I didn't know for sure, so I didn't want to be, like, talking out of my own ass. So, uh, yeah, released in late 2004 in North America and Japan. All right, so late 2004. Now... This whole game, the whole premise of the whole thing is that you're playing as the original guy, Big Boss, the snake and the bad guy were both cloned after. You're playing as him. You're on a secret covert operation into Russia because a scientist, a Nazi scientist, was kidnapped by the Russians and he has to save them. And he's like, yo, what? Like, why the fuck? What are we saving Nazis now? What the fuck? It's a flashback. The game, is, like, takes place in, like, the 60s or whatever. And he's he's talking about, like, like why, why are we saving Nazis? And the commander's like, listen, man, it's hard to understand, but, like, they're bad people, but we need to know what they know. And the Russians are going to find out what they know. This man's being forced to work on their ICBM program. He's making rockets. And we need him to build our rockets, not Russian rockets. And so, you know, Big Boss, begrudgingly, goes on this journey to try and kidnap back the scientist that is a Nazi scientist. Does this sound familiar? I mean, there's got to be a couple of you that like conspiracies. I mean, there's a couple of you that listen to this, and I'm sure you don't listen to it because I'm intelligent. <laughs> But I do talk about conspiracies. It's Operation Stay Behind, right? The old conspiracy that after the war was over, we left CIA operatives behind the Iron Curtain so that we could kidnap Nazi scientists and get them to work in our space program and for the CIA. And what did they say? For fucking decades, for decades. If you watch the Mel Gibson movie Conspiracy Theory, which was made in the 80s, he talks about this. They say he's always a crazy conspiracy theorist. This is what he believes. You know that under the Obama administration, Operation Paperclip was declassified? It was an actual CIA covert operation 
where we left operatives behind the Iron Curtain to kidnap Nazi scientists and get them to work in our CIA and space programs. For fucking decades, they call it a crazy conspiracy. And then under Obama, they confirmed that they were full of shit when they called us crazy. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think it might be a little fucking weird that this Japanese writer slash video game developer made a video game based on a conspiracy theory that was verified true not for another four or five fucking years? Not to mention he penned the script for that game two years earlier. So the game came out in 04. He was writing this in 2002. So do you think after the scare, you know, when he accidentally, you know, when he accidentally wrote the ending to Metal Gear Solid 2, and he was like, fuck, that is way too accurate. Now I have to push back the game. I'm losing a bunch of money. Fuck, I can't believe that I actually predicted that. That's insane. What an accident. And then he turns around and makes another game accidentally true accidentally right on the money what the fuck i mean do you think like i mean do you think that after that he was like fuck dude probably gonna fucking kill me no you'd think that if it was an accident the first time he'd probably just stop the series he'd probably stick to sci-fi no but uh, of course crazy conspiracy theory just attributing you know fucking genius to madness whatever uh what can i say all right, so anyway, um, I'm not going to talk about Metal Gear Solid Five because uh, he wasn't as heavily involved in that project, though there is a lot of stuff to talk about there. Uh, but no, MGS4, I got one more for you, just another quick segment. I'll, like I said, I'll make it fast. I don't like these to go longer than 15 minutes or so. All right, so a little piece at the uh, end game of Metal Gear Solid 2, like the post credit sequence, Jack is reunited with his lover, Rose, and uh, they're talking about building a future together. Now, this is important for Metal Gear Solid 4. I didn't forget. So Jack is talking to Rose, which is funny. That's the name of the people on the Titanic, by the way. And, uh, and Jack says to her, you know, he wants to start a family. And she says, well, and knowing what we know now and how fucked up the world is and how fucked up it's becoming, I mean, how can we bring someone into the world? And now I'm going to I'm going to tell you exactly what he says. He talks about the importance of passing down your genetics and genetic memes. That is not just about passing on our genes, it's about passing on our memes. Now I'm going to pause for a second for laughter because of how ridiculous that sounds in the context of 2019. Back in 2001 Memes was not a word any of us used because our our genetics are just, you know, ones and zeros. That's our genes. Our memes, in the biological sense, are genetic expression. So, like, you know, it takes a certain number of ones and zeros for your body to grow brown hair. He talks about the importance of them passing down their memes because they love each other very much it's actually it's a very very it's a really heartfelt cutscene. i really like it but now it's kind of ridiculous replaying the game and they use the word memes and love and and it's just kind of funny 
because obviously we use memes to spread information now. In 2001, I don't think any of us had even heard of memes and the online funny things or socially aware pictures and words. No, but he talks about using memes and he does talk briefly about how the spread of ideas because of the internet the ideas will spread and it'll spread like wildfire and he talks about it kind of in a positive way like the internet will be helpful now unfortunately by Metal Gear Solid 4 Jack actually has become a very tragic character because he was both right and wrong at the same time Metal Gear Solid 4 the uh it's supposed to all be happening in like 2040, I think. Uh, private military companies have taken over the landscape of war. The vested interest in war economy has basically plunged the whole world into Armageddon. All of the politicians are actually just celebrities. Uh, so like every time the politicians show up, there's fucking cameras flashing and people talking about them. There's a paparazzi because they all are movie stars and music people and shit like that. And, uh, War has become this fully privatized endeavor, and it's the reason why there's so much outbreak of war across the world is because people have created thought bubbles, and they've insulated themselves from other ideas. So the memes that resonate with them resonate within the community and create political polarization, but the communities really don't interact, and it causes the whole world to plunge into chaos, waging private wars against one another. And then, of course, there's other stuff like uh, resource wars. They, like, go to South America. They're, like, fighting over oil, obviously. I know I was moving pretty fast, but does that not sound at least a little familiar? Celebrity presidents. Thought bubbles. Even though we're all more connected than ever, we're more politically polarized and less willing to listen to each other than we ever have been before. I don't know, man. All I'm trying to say is dude's a pretty fucking good writer. Because he, I think uh, at the end of Metal Gear Solid 2, I think that Jack was representing what we all wanted out of the future. I think that it was all of our optimism at the time. I think that that was the collective optimism that things will be better, you know? We can all communicate better, which means that there will be more love and more compassion. But then I don't I don't know how long it took him. I think Metal Gear Solid 4 came out and let's see, I played it in the summer of 2008. Yeah. Yeah, it was the summer of 2008. I just finished the 8th grade. Uh How 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 did how did he do that, huh? How did he see the political polarization leading to fucking nightmarescape in terms of our political landscape? How did he know that celebrity presidents were basically going to run our policy into the fucking ground? How did he know that? Anybody have any ideas? No, no, no. Feel free to message me. 
write it in. You can actually do an audio message. So, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? You know, he probably just got pretty fucking lucky, right? That's probably all there was to it. Anyway, thanks for listening.